Did we mention today is graduation Sunday? All right. My gosh. Heather, you ready to shout? Autumn, you ready to shout? Well, a little bit? Come on. Heather Jackson, come on up. Autumn Kiefer, our women's home director. Let's give it up for Autumn. So I'm going to turn it over to Autumn. Uh, I'm going to step back, but we have uh, Heather Jackson here today, who's uh, just completed. Is it me? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll step back. Just completed our, our women's home uh, discipleship program, and today's her graduation day, so we want to celebrate with her. And, As Pastor Fred just said, Heather just completed our program. But not only did she complete it, she's been fully changed inside and on the outside. And you'll get to hear a little bit of her testimony here in a couple minutes. But I just have a couple things that I want to say. Um, Heather, when I picked you up nine months ago, you were angry. And you were lost. And you didn't even know who you were. And over the last month, nine months, I've literally watched you open up your heart and your mind to receive what God has for you and to realize that not only are you loved by him, but you're loved by so many people that you didn't even know could love you. And I want you to hold on to that. Don't ever lose that love, no matter what you go through, because all of us sitting here today is your family and we'll be here every step of the way with you and for you. Um, songs that Whitney sang, a lot of them was talking about restoration and addicts free. Well, this girl right here has been restored and she is finally free. It's okay, I probably turned it off. No, you didn't. <laughs> I have two scriptures. Um, the first one is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, is anyone... If anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. All of your old is gone. You don't have to look back to it. You don't have to pick it up, and you don't ever have to identify with that ever again. God gave you a new name. God gave you a new life, and you are new. And then the next one I want you to um, really take with you for whatever. I mean, I know you're saying second phase, but whatever seasons to come after that, and it's Proverbs 16.3, and it's the Passion Translation. Before you do anything, put your trust totally in God and not in yourself. Then every plan you make will succeed. The plans that you make, as long as they're with him, you will succeed because he's with you every step of the way. Thank you. So now we're going to let Heather share her testimony. Hello, everybody. Can you hear me? It's a little tall. Um, my name is Heather. Most of you know me. I've been in the women's family for the past nine months. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story. My grandmother um, raised me in my childhood, and I, my childhood was great until the, the year I turned 13. My grandmother fell, and she became bedridden. 
So I ended up taking care of her until I was 15. And there was a lot of abuse from my uncles and everything. Um, and that time I started drinking, smoking marijuana. Well, I started cutting myself and somebody called CPS, said they came and took me away. <coughs> I spent three years in a Burlington children's home. Here after that, and I got out of there, my little sister, Savannah, she died in a four-wheeler accident, and that was in 1999. <coughs> I was pregnant with my son. After I had him, my grandma died the same year, 1999. Well, I started working at a bar, and I got into harder drugs, and I couldn't take care of my son, so I sent him to live with his um, father and his grandmother. Um, and um, I spiraled even more out of control. 2001, I had my daughter, Alyssa. In 2002, I had my daughter, my other daughter, Madison. I was with her dad for 14 years, where I was abused, where I was abused the entire time. All my life, I substituted some kind of drug for another. I left her dad five years ago, and I even got even more out of control. 2020, both my parents died five months apart. Um, I met a guy right after that, and we both were using hard drugs. Well, he committed suicide in my garage, where he hung himself. Now, throughout, these, throughout all these um, years, I was in and out of jail and prison. I have done a total of nine and a half years. Two years ago, my daughter had a baby who was born my birthday. Her name's Maya. Well, my daughter was using drugs, and she had endocarditis, uh, which is a vegetation on the heart, and she had to have a triple bypass surgery. Well, the doctor told her if she didn't quit using drugs, she was going to die. And um, she kept using, and after that, she passed away, May 24, 2022. Well, I started doing a lot of heroin so I could numb my pain and not have to feel anything. I was shooting up, got cellulitis in my leg. I've had three surgeries on my leg, and the doctor told me I was going to lose my leg or I was going to die. At that point, I didn't care. I wanted to die because my daughter died. I did some really dumb things. I found myself out of the hospital, and I kept getting locked up again a lot. Well, the last bit I did, when my mind got clear, I decided I needed a change. And I'm too old to, to keep doing the same stuff I've been doing. I still had my other kids and, my, and Maya, my granddaughter. I was tired of living the way I've been living. So I talked to a girl who told me about City Roots. And that's how I came to be here. A relationship with Christ is what changed my life. Something I've never had before. But let me tell you, since I've been here, this has been one of the best decisions in my life I have ever made. I know now with Christ, all things are possible. I've been healed physically, emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. I'm alive today, and I do have a purpose, and I'm so grateful for that. There's been a verse that I've stood on since I've been here, and that's John 10.10. 10. It says, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come so that you may have life to the full. And, that, and that's a fact, I can tell you that. Um, so after my... <laughs> So um, after my daughter passed away, I never thought my heart would ever heal. But being here and learning and knowing who God is and what he can do, my heart heals more and more each day. And in time, I'm very, I'm truly believing my heart will be completely healed. I'll say before I came here, I was in kidney failure. The doctors told me I had three years to live. But now my kidneys are at 90% and working well. All I can say is, but God. I am a child of God, his beloved daughter, and he loves me unconditionally, no matter what. He's never left me. He has always been there, directing me down the right path. And now that I'm on the right path, he will guide my way.
um, about five months ago, when I first came into the home, I wrote this little thing of encouragement for like people in the home that's struggling with addiction and like just the very like aspects of negative things of life. And I put, um, I'm surrounded by strong, independent women every day that really motivated me and gave me a sense of true friendship I have never experienced before. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've never given up, even when I wanted to go get high. I wanted to throw it all away. Just because I wanted to doesn't mean I did or I had to. I kept going because I knew how wonderful that wonderful things are waiting for me. Each and every one of you sitting in here right now has an unbelievable life waiting for you. Just down the road, a better life than you can ever dream of. All you can do is just keep walking. No matter how bumpy the road goes or how many unexpected detours you come across, keep putting one foot in front of the other. Just keep walking. I'm sorry. It's possible to have an amazing, fun, purposeful, pur purposeful life after addiction. It really is. There's no such thing as a lost cause, and it's never too late to start over. A flicker of hope in one's heart is capable of laying the path to a new destiny. She has an amazing testimony. <laughs> so, Miss Heather Jackson, today it's my honor to give you the certificate of completion for successfully completing the Cumberland Women's Hope Home program on January 7th, 2024. <laughs> And to officially let you know, you are the one. <laughs> Thank you. No, we're going to play the Oh, you're not done yet. No. This is just from us to the kids. Thank you. It's hot up here, isn't it? Yes, sir. You know, you, you may have experienced more death in your life. But uh, yeah, I just feel like God's bringing life out of that death. And I, I, I really feel like I want to read this verse to you, a couple of verses out of Joel chapter 2. It says, I will compensate you for the years the swarming locust has eaten, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, the gnawing locust. I feel like you've been torn at from just about every angle. My great army, which I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat. And be satisfied. You will praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. Then my people will never be put to shame. So you will know that I'm in the midst of Israel, and that I'm at, I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. And my people will never be put to shame. Yeah. <laughs> You're a testimony that, that God, for one, has redeemed the things that you've lost and the things that you feel like have set you back. He's actually bringing you forward. And your life now is a testimony that we're not going to live in shame anymore. 
Like, there may have been shame in the past. There may have been shame in those decisions. But Jesus redeemed you from every ounce of shame that there ever was. And uh, you're going to be a tremendous testimony to so many women. Thank you. Let's pray for you. Stretch your hands out to Heather. Evie and Kristen, come on up here. Father, I thank you so much for another life that you've transformed. Lord, that you've taken someone that's gone through brokenness, that's gone through loss, that's gone through setbacks, Lord, and you've put together the broken, that you've restored the lost, and that you've healed things that don't seem humanly possible. And God, I thank you that with you all things are possible that there is nothing that our God, there's nothing that Heather's God cannot do. Lord, I thank you that you live in her, that you dwell in her, that she is the tabernacle of the living God. And Father, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit fill her with new anointing, new power. Father, give her a voice, give her the ability to, to witness with passion to those that need to hear the gospel. Father, I pray that you would just give her creative ideas to, to share her testimony. Father, give her opportunities. And Lord, I just pray you would continue to increase and grow and mature and strengthen her, Lord, in every area, physically. She says she's been healed physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, God, and I thank you for that. But I also know there's no limit. There's no limit to your healing. There's no limit to your restoration that we have not arrived until we've achieved the stature of the fullness of Christ himself. Lord, continue to work in her life. We bless her. We bless what you're doing in her life. In Jesus' name. I'm known as the only man that women are allowed to hug. Oh, the, then, Kurt, then Curtis goes and breaks that rule. Somebody left a phone up here. Matter of fact, I might keep this thing. Who wants to see Autumn's last picture? <laughs> I don't know what it is. Okay, it's safe then, right? It's safe. Oh, wow, in the sake of time, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to have to preach in fifth gear today. Uh, but I, I have, uh, you know, Seth talked about, we launched a new series last week called Increase. And he started with a verse in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And it says, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. His name, in between there, it says his name shall be called uh, Everlasting, or Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
Then it goes on in verse 7, says, And of the government of his peace there will be no end. And so that it says that of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end, which means that his rule, his kingdom is ever increasing, it's ever advancing, it's ever emerging, but also his peace is ever increasing, ever advancing, and ever emerging. Tell him I said hello. Where that is. I like, uh, I'm not a, I shouldn't say this, I'm not a fan of the message. Seth is kind of wooing me to the message. But if we think about it, it says, of the increase of his peace, there will be no end. That word peace means shalom. And shalom means, it doesn't just mean peace like not having war. It means wholeness. It means soundness. It means completeness. Heather said she's been, been healed, spirit, soul, and body. So to, to have the peace of God, to have the shalom of God, means that you're complete in every area, that you're whole, that you're sound. And it says, of the increase of his shalom, there will be no end, which means that he is continually making you whole, continually making you whole and, and, and fixing the broken pieces in your life. And here's what I like about the, the message translation. It says that there are no limits to the wholeness that he brings. Instead of calling him the Prince of Peace, the message translation calls him the, uh, I think it's the ruler of wholeness. And then it goes on to say there are no limits to the wholeness that he brings. And so I want to encourage you today, if you think that, you know, I have, a, I have an area in my life that, that I just don't see a way that God could put it back together, that the increase of his peace, there's no limits to the wholeness that he brings that he continues to make you whole and continues to, to make you better and fix things and things you maybe don't even know about. Because there's things probably I know some of you have suppressed for years. Maybe you've consciously or unconsciously suppressed them. But see, God it says that he's the one that searches the heart. The Holy Spirit searches the heart. He knows what's in there. He knows the things that you either choose not to remember or have subconsciously forgot. And I, I, I just, my prayer is this morning that God's going to heal things in you that you don't even know need healed. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. Things that you haven't even prayed for, things that maybe, maybe your grandmother prayed for you for that you don't even know about. Or maybe things your parents knew that you weren't privy to that affected you. That God's going to heal those too. All right, that's a good word. All right, so I want to talk to you about uh, increase today. I really want to uh, hone in on um, the topic of honor. And I, I want to start with this question. If we believe, how many believe that, that God, the kingdom of God is a kingdom of increase? All right, so about half of you. So... <laughs> So I know, I know what half of your problem is right now, is you don't believe it. See, everything in the kingdom grows. Everything increases. We saw last week that Seth taught from the book of Acts is that there were daily added uh, to the church, that there was growth, there was numeric growth, there was, there was 
uh, maturity growth, that the disciples grew, the disciples became disciples makers. So that, that the growth always happens in the kingdom. If you think about the parable of the soils, uh, it, it says that, that when the seed is planted, it says first comes the sprout and then the stalk and then the ear and then the full ear in the, in, in the, in the husk. And so that there's successive growth, that everything goes typically, not always, I mean, there's always the miraculous, but the norm is that things grow in steps and stages. That's the norm. Of course, God lives outside of the norm, doesn't he? Uh, but the norm is things grow in steps and stages. So if we believe, here's my question for you, if you believe that increase comes and, it, and that we live in a kingdom of increase, how do you handle the increase when it comes? And, and the topic that's at the center of that is honor. And here's what I see is I see a lot of people uh, in life in general over the last 30-some years that, that I've been an adult, and um, I see a measure of increase come in their life, but then it actually is kind of like one step forward, two steps back. Anybody identify with that? If that's been you, I don't want you to feel shame. I just want to talk to you today about how to get beyond that. Because God's, God's formula is not for you to, to walk ahead and then go backwards. And I think what happens, a lot of times, increase comes, and because our response to the increase is not scriptural, and this thing of honor is not there, that we actually forfeit the thing that should have taken us ahead. And so let's start with Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord. Let's read this together. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the firstfruits of all your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and your vats burst forth with new wine. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the firstfruits of all your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty, and your vats or your wine presses will burst forth with new wine. And so I don't want you to get nervous today and think, oh, Fred's going to, it's the first, it's the first Sunday of the year, and we're going to talk about, what are we going to talk about? Money, offering. Like, don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. Because I just want to share with you some things that today, really, that God has, has taught me over the last 30 to 40 years. And they're not anything new, but they're things that, that God wants you to understand that he can help you too. Because, you know, a lot of times people say Jesus taught about money more than any other subject in the New Testament. That's kind of partially true, partially not. He taught about the concept of money in this, that he used money and finances to actually point to a greater spiritual truth. And that the reason we need to understand how to handle finances and how to handle money is because this, money and finances become the training ground for the supernatural. Jesus says this in the parable about the uh, unjust steward, Luke chapter uh, 16, verses 10 and 11. You'll recognize this text. It says, whoever is faithful in least will be faithful in what? Much. And he who has been unjust in least will be unjust in much, right? Who, um, and then he goes, goes on to say this. Let me read it to you. I don't want to misquote it. So, 
And a lot of, let me just say this, when we hear that, what do we think of? We think of, if we're faithful in a little, we'll be faithful with greater quantities, correct? And that's true, but that's not the point he's making there. He goes on, he says, if whoever's faithful in least will be faithful in much, and who's ever unjust in least will be unjust in much, therefore, so now he's going to define what least is. He says, therefore, whoever has been unjust or unfaithful with earthly wealth, who then will commit to him the true? Now, most translations say true riches, but the word riches isn't there. It's just the true. And so what he's saying, he's saying that he's saying this. He's saying there's, there's a, there's a, a sub-point is that you're, if you're faithful with a little, you'll be faithful with much. But the main point is this. If you can be faithful with earthly possessions, which are least, then I can commit to you greater riches which are not of this world. That how can I trust you? Like if you can't, I don't know, who knows what I, like I have no idea what's in here, maybe a dollar. Here's a dollar. Just for an example. But if, if you can't be faithful with that which you can see in the natural realm, then how are you going to learn to steward that which you can't see in the supernatural and spiritual realm? And, and so the thing with finances is this. I look at it not so much as, you know, it's not about you giving money. It's about how do you train you and how do you learn to develop stewardship in one area that has a greater application in another area that's way more important. And he says this, he says, money's the least of everything. It's the least important thing when it comes to stewardship, but at the same time, it has the greatest implication. And so he says, I want, so here's what, here's what Solomon says. He says, I want you to honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty. Notice this, it says, honor the Lord with what? Possessions and first fruits of increase. It's almost as if they're assumed, right? So we're not honoring the Lord to get possessions. We're not honoring the Lord to get increase. It's saying honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. And then a promise is on the end of it, right? It says then your barns will be filled with plenty. Then your vats or wine presses will burst forth with new wine. So here's, here's what it looks like pictorially. Look at this. So here's how I see this. The reason, how do you respond to increase when it comes? So God puts something in everybody's hand. There's nobody here that doesn't have something. So when it says possessions, possessions are just assets. It could be, it could be the clothes on your back. I don't see anybody naked. Right? Everybody has a shirt on. Therefore, everybody has something. In it. You have a possession. And so it doesn't matter the quantity, it's, it's just stuff. It's, it could be your clothes on your back, it could be the money in your bank, it could be the house you live in, it could be the car you drive, it could be the tools in your shed, or the junk in your basement. It's just stuff, it's possessions. Ultimately, those things belong to who? The Lord, they just happen to be in your possession, but they don't belong to you, they're His. And He says, I, I want you to honor God with your possessions, and then he says, I want you to honor him with the first fruits of your increase. Increase just means money you have coming in or things you have coming in. So that could be, that could be your job. It could be SSI. It could be uh, retirement. It could be 
Um, Evie had a dream about a big check being delivered. It could be a check out of nowhere that shows up at your door one day. So whatever it is, whatever it is, he says, I want you to honor me with that. And so see how honor's right in the middle of that? And it says, so if we believe the kingdom is a kingdom of increase, he says, I want you to take what you have and what's coming in, what you already have, and then I want you to honor me with it. And I think this is where most people drop the ball because we don't understand what it means to honor God with our stuff. And after honoring the Lord with it, then the promise is on the other side of that. It says, so then your barns will be filled with plenty and your wine presses will burst forth with new wine. Now, does anybody see anything that might sound a little bit like there's another application here? Let me just say it real slow. So shall your barns be filled and so shall your vats burst forth or overflow. Kind of sounds like the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? What does he do? Jesus says, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Jesus stood and cried. He says, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So we have this, this aspect here. I want you to think it's bigger than just this. There's filling and then there's overflow. So there's a, there's a practical application, but it has a bigger, there's, it's more to it than what you're seeing. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You're not my enemy, are you? Like, we're friends, right? Okay. All right. Just check it. So what does it, so let's just talk, we're, we're, uh, we're not going to have time to finish this, I can tell you right now. But what does it mean to honor? What does it mean to honor? So we think about it, how many have been to court? See, here's the thing, more of you have been to court than know that the kingdom is a kingdom of increase. We're going to fix that. But how do you address the judge? Oh, pull you guys. You guys know that better than the Bible. Come on. Yeah. We, we address a judge with your honor. When we have Veterans Day and Memorial Day, we honor vets, right? Those that have died and those that have served. Uh, if you go to a certain restaurant, you might say, do you honor a certain credit card? Do you accept it? You know, when, when, when our favorite sports team wins the Super Bowl, what do we do? We... We on oh my gosh. So I just got to pause. Like, like you, you can't attend here and, and like the Ravens. Yeah. This, you, you, you can like any team but the Ravens. Yeah. See, it was the Ravens that stole, it was the Ravens that stole the seed. So they're, they're on the wrong team. So if we think about honor, some words and synonyms mean to esteem, respect, appreciate, admire, praise, celebrate, commemorate, command, observe, revere, value, or worship. See, when I honor somebody, I'm actually saying that I value them. We talked about worship a few weeks ago. Worship is ascribing worth. We said that everything we do in life should be an act of worship. 
And honor is very similar to worship. It's, it's a way that I show somebody or that I show the Lord that I actually value, that he carries value with me. In the Old Testament, it's the word kavod. It means this. It means, so when we think of honor, a lot of times we think of the first definition, which means what? To praise, right? So when we were down here this morning, we're singing, we praise you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. But a lot of people honor God with their mouth, but not with their heart. See, I'm going to look at this passage in Matthew 15 in a minute. But see, praise, and and if you look at this word up in the Hebrew, David uses this term a lot in the book of Psalms. He talks about, I praise you, Lord. I extol you, Lord. I honor you, Lord. But it also means this. It means to carry weight or to be heavy. And it means to make dull or insensible or to desensitize. And so I just want to show you a couple verses where it shows up. Look at this in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4. So this is talking about Eli. It says the mess- So this messenger comes to Eli and says, the Ark of the Covenant has been stolen. And it says, what happened to the Ark of God? Eli fell backward off of his seat beside the gate. He broke his neck. He's 98 years old, by the way. He says he broke his neck and died. He was old and fat. <laughs> he was an old fat man. Now, you might look at your neighbor and say, I see the honor all over you. (laughs) Evie, when you honor Seth, we know what you're really talking about. He says, I honor you, babe. So this same word, used is, it means weight. It means heaviness. Another time it's used is when one, uh, King David's third son, his son, third son's name was Absalom. And, and what does anybody know about Absalom? For one, he was the best-looking guy uh, in all of Israel at the time. But he had this mass... Do you know anybody that's good-looking with a lot of hair? Oh, good. Oh, yeah, my wife, yeah, you better say Yes. You're quite honorable today, babe. But this guy, you remember when Troy Palomalo used to play for the, like, what used to be the best team ever? Like, well, he had this big mass of hair, right? And so that's what Absalom, he had all this hair. And he had so much hair, he had to cut it once a year. And when he cut it, it was heavy. It was so heavy, it weighed five pounds. That's how heavy. So so this word is meant to mean weight. It's meant to mean heavy. And so the context here, if I'm going to honor God with my possessions, it goes beyond what I actually say. Because I can't say stuff. I have to do something with stuff. Like I can't just say, oh yeah, I honor the Lord with my stuff. To honor the Lord is to allow His Word to carry more weight in my life than any other influence. If I truly honor the Lord, I'll allow His Word to be weightier, to carry more weight than any other influence. 
See, more than what my friends say, more than what's popular, more than what's politically correct, more than what I feel like I'm entitled to, more than what I feel like I deserve because I was hurt, more than I feel like I should get because I was betrayed, more than what I read on social media, more than what I hear some guy spout off on, on TikTok. See, all these things are competing for weight. I read somewhere the other day that 20 years ago, an average person would receive about 300 impressions a day. Now, don't fact check me, because I don't know if my fact's right, but it'll be close. From TV, billboards, and newspapers. 300 impressions a day. How many do you think that is now with social media? It's pro- I think it's over 10 times to, I think it's in the 4,000, 3 or 4,000 impressions a day. And so whatever is impressing me begins to become weightier. And so to honor the Lord with my possessions and to honor the Lord with the first fruits of all my increase means that I say, Lord, this is yours. What do you want me to do with it? See, it's easy to say one thing and do another. In in the Pharisees and the scribes, Jesus addressed this in Matthew chapter 15. He said, For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother. He who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father and mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. I'll I'll explain this in a minute. Then uh, Then he need not honor his father and mother. Next verse. Thus you have made the commandment of God, everybody say this, no effect. By your tradition. Hypocrites. Oh, I didn't want you to say. Hypocrites. You know, I kind of feel like Jesus should have went to one of those Dale Carnegie courses, like how to make friends and influence people. It's funny how he influenced people, but you know, he, he, he would say things like this. He says, well, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth. And they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, heeding the doctrines and commandments of men. So here's what's going on here. See, there was a, a, something you could do. So the, the commandment under the old covenant was this, honor your father and mother. The way you honored your father and mother was you would financially take care of them when they were not able to take care of themselves. However, there was also uh, something in another, uh, I think it's the book of Mark actually uses the word Corbin. You can declare it it Corbin, which means this. I'm declaring this a gift to God, and when it's a gift to God, it can't be used for anybody else. And so they would just say, well, this is a gift to God, and because it's a gift to God, I can't do what God wants me to do over here and take care of my parents because I've already dedicated it over here. And he said, what you've done is you've actually created a tradition that started out fine because dedicating something to God was okay, but you're doing it at the expense of not doing what God is asking you to do over here. We'd never do that, would we? I don't want to go here, but I will. 
let's just take this one. This isn't a church. Churches don't have four walls. True. That is a true statement. We are the church. We are the church. The church is in me. The church is in you. Christ lives in us. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. But people will take a truth to an extreme and then use it as a reason not to gather as a body of believers. See, while it's true, when I take it over here, well, I don't believe in formalized church because the church isn't a building, therefore I don't go to church on Sunday. See, and you've made the word of God of no effect in your life because you have allowed the traditions of men to carry more weight than the word of God. Because if you ever actually asked God what he wanted you to do, he'd say, I want you to come together as a body of believers because you grow as a body, you mature as a body, that the body has gifts that I need from you and you need from me and that we can't be better as, as better individually as we can collectively. Well, God wants me to take care of my family, so therefore I'm not going to give any to the Lord. You know, we'll create things that, we, that really are traditions and commandments of men in the sake of spirituality, but at the, at the heart of it, it becomes my word carries more weight than God's word. And I'm not saying it's wrong to go to a football game on Sunday. I'm not saying it's wrong to stay home. I'm not saying it's wrong to spend money, whatever. But whatever God's placed in your hand, I have to approach it with honor. Because as soon as I start telling God what I'm going to do with it, we kind of make the word of God of no effect. See, the right response to increase in my life is, God, I honor you. I acknowledge that you're Lord, which means you own everything. It belongs to you. Therefore, I realize you put it into my hand. What do you want me to do with what belongs to you? He might say, take your wife on a trip. See, sometimes people think that being cheap is being a good steward. I don't know, this is, I don't know why I'm going to tell you this. We're going to, no, actually, I'm not going to skip this because here's, here's what I want to give you a principle about stewardship. Cheap ship is not stewardship. See, some people think they're being a good steward because they're cheap. So the God that I serve is not cheap, for one. Sometimes he wants you to be frugal. But sometimes he wants you to be extravagant. See, when we make the decision for him, Whose word's carrying more weight? See, it's not a matter of whether something's inexpensive or expensive or whether we use a coupon or don't. That's irrelevant. The issue is honor. What am I listening to what his Holy Spirit's telling me to do with what he has placed in my hand? That's the issue. It's never the amount. It's, never, it's none of that. It's am I willing to listen? Am I willing to heed it? And am I willing to obey it? All right, we're going to fast forward 
Well, let's just look at this. So when we talk about the first fruits, the fir first fruits is your first and your best. I, I put the message up here for, for Seth, really. It says, honor God with everything you own and give him the first and you give him the best. You give him the first and the best. See, too often we want to give God out of whatever we have left over. And there was a guy in the Bible that did that. It says in Genesis chapter 4, it says, In the process of time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord. And he gave him of the fruit of the ground. Abel also brought an offering, and he gave the Lord of the first fruits and of the fat thereof. God had respect to Abel's offering, but not to Cain's, and it says Cain's countenance fell. So I get the whole application of one being a blood sacrifice and the other not, but I don't think that's the primary thing there. It says that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. Abel brought an offering of the first fruits of the flock and of the fat. See, Abel gave the first and the best. Cain gave out of what he had left over. Oh, I got a few extras here. I think I'll, I'll bless God. See, giving first is probably more difficult than anything else because you're giving before you know what the outcome's going to be. See, there's faith that's, it requires faith to step into that. But that's what God's calling us to. See, I'm not asking you to do 12,000 steps like Evie. I'm just asking you to take one, one small step. I want to show you a quick story, and then we're going to go about one small step. It says, the word of the Lord, this, this is a story about Elijah. The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow to provide for you. Now, he had just been living by the brook Cherith, and it said the ravens fed him there. See, that's all they're good for is jockeying food back and forth. They, they're, they're not... It said that he lived by the brook. The brook dried up. The ravens brought him food at morning and evening. And then when the brook dries up, God says, I want you to leave here. I want you to go to Zarephath because I've commanded a widow to provide for you there. And so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, please bring me. I want you to notice this. How much water? A little water. Please, please bring me a little water. Next slide. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And so she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Now think about this. What a remarkable woman for what one. She doesn't know what's going to happen. See, Elijah doesn't need the food as much as she needs to give it. He has already seen God's supernatural supply in his life, and if God doesn't supply through this widow, he'll supply through another. See, sometimes it seems unfair that he would ask her to do this, but he's actually trying to ignite a principle in her life 
that will allow her to walk into a position of honor to see more than what she ever thought God could do. And he says, I want you to give me a morsel of bread in your hands. And think about this. She thinks she's going to die. Like, she expects that to be her last day. And she still took the posture to go serve a stranger on what was probably going to be the last day of her life. That's remarkable in itself. Next slide. It said, Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go do as you have said, but make a small cake from it first. Everybody say small cake. From it when? First. And bring it to me afterward and make some for yourself. For thus says the Lord your God, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Next slide. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her household, she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. All right. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake first. He said, go get me a little water. Go get me a morsel of bread. Go make me a small cake first. So small, this word small doesn't actually mean little. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. It's actually a comparative word. Do you remember when God made God on the first day of creation? Maybe the second day, but Genesis chapter 1. It said God put a, a greater light in the sky to rule the day, and he put a lesser light in the sky to rule the night. The word lesser is the same word as small. When Moses is leading the children of Israel and, uh, in Exodus chapter 18, the people are coming to him all day, every day, and he's handling all their issues all day, morning to night. And his father-in-law Jethro looks at him and says, you're going to wear out if you keep this up. What you need to do is you need to put men in positions over thousands, over hundreds, over fifties, and over tens, and you handle the big cases and let them handle the lesser cases. That's the same word lesser or insignificant. So it's a word of comparison. So, so here's Elijah. He's actually not just saying, give me a small cake, but he's saying, give me a cake even smaller than the one you're going to make for yourself. So he's not looking for the big piece. I ordered this uh, cheesecake from Todd Trainum a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Like if you've never had Todd's cheesecake, when it comes to that, I'm not asking for the little slice. <laughs> like, it's not the smaller. I want the bigger slice. But what he's saying is that I just want a little one, even smaller than what you're going to make for yourself, but I want you to give it to me first. And it said when she gave first, and when she made it for him first, it says the bin of flour did not run out, nor did the oil in the jar ever run dry. And look at the next slide. Uh, we already covered that. Skip that. It says, so she went and did everything in accordance with the word of Elijah. She and he and her household ate for many days. This drought lasted for three years. When she gave to Elijah first, Based on what the word, what was the word of the Lord? It said, this won't run dry. And so he asked her to take a step of faith based on God's word. Not based on a feeling, not based on her situation, 
based on God's word. And it said that she and he and her household ate many days. I don't believe this was a one-time event. I believe that she made the cake for him first the first day, and the next day she gets up and there's a little flour and there's a little oil. They didn't overflow that day. And I believe the next day she made a small cake for him first. And then the next day they get up and there's a little there and she makes a small cake for him first. And the next day she gets up and makes a small cake for him first. And what he did on the first day, which was a big step, once you do it day two, day three, day four, day 50, day 500, day 1,000. See, God's not asking you to do this. Like, he's not asking you to walk 12,000 steps today. Like, I don't go from zero to 12,000. How do I get to 12,000? One step. How do you eat an elephant? Oh, somebody knows that. One bite at a time. See, God's just asking for something. See, step out in faith. Do something. Start being faithful. See, did it one day. She did it another day. She did it another day. She did it another day. And it said she and he and her household ate for many days. Where's the overflow? If you read further in this chapter, it says after this, the widow's son got sick to the point there was no breath left in him. To that point in history, no one had ever been raised from the dead. Elijah didn't have scripture to fall back on. Elijah didn't have a word from God. Elijah didn't have the testimony of other dead people who had been raised from the dead. But he had the example of a woman who trusted God every day for three years that actually not only fed her but fed him and actually increased his faith that she went from receiving daily bread to receiving her son back from the dead. I mean, imagine that. What if she had quit on day 100? What if she had quit on day 200? See, there was enough for that day. They would have died on day 1 or day 10 or day 20 or or had they quit. But Elijah was instilling something in her that was creating faithfulness. She never would have got to the point of seeing her son raised from the dead had she not made the little cake first. See, sometimes the big miracle you're waiting for is just on the other side of your faithfulness. For her, it was three years later. See, faith is, can I trust God? Faithfulness is, can God trust me? So God said, why would I commit to you true riches when you can't be faithful with small cake. But when you're faithful with the small cake that you can see, that you can hold in your hand, that you can possess, the ramifications are raising from the dead down the road. 
See, God's trying to create something in you through honor. That when I honor him, when I honor his word, when I ask him, what do you want me to do? Because when I learn to do that with the small cake, what's going to happen when God puts me in a bigger situation? What, what, what am I training myself to do? See, if I ask God on the little things, and I let him direct me on the little things, when it becomes really significant, God, what do you want me to do? I'll tell you a quick story, and then we're going to pray. God taught me this principle before I knew he was teaching me this principle. I don't know if I've told this story here before, so if you've heard it, just pretend like you never heard it before. I was 22 years old. Imagine, that was 31 years ago, 53. I was 20. I was 22. I'd been deer hunting for 10, 12 years at that point. I started when I was 10. I hunted every year for 12 years, and I never, ever got a deer, let alone I never got a, I never got a shot at a deer, ever. And so you can imagine, I was consistent, though. I went 12 seasons with nothing. Thirteenth season. I get my dough in heat set. I get my, my bib overalls. You know, I'm ready to go. And I go out. My dad took me. We went to a farm out in West Virginia. I'm sitting in the woods. And I start making bargains with God. You guys ever do that? God, if you bring me a deer, I'll do da-da-da-da-da. If you bring me a deer, I'll give half of it to so-and-so. And so I started making these bargains with God, and, and God spoke to me. It was the first time I, I, I wasn't filled with the Spirit, as far as I know, but he spoke to me at the first time in my life that I can remember what seemed to be audibly. And it was somewhat of a word of correction, but I'm glad he said it. He said, Ananias, well, actually before that, he said, I want you to give the whole deer away. I said, well, I'll give half, because I really like, like the tenderloin. Like, you know, like, I want to, that's the best, right? I want to keep that for myself. And so I'm, I'm, I'm arguing back and forth with God, and he said, Ananias, I want you to give the whole thing, not just part of it. And I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. And literally, as soon as I said, okay, Lord, I'll do it, a deer comes out, I just instinctively raised my 30-30, pulled the hammer back, bam, and within literally one to two seconds, it was all over. So my dad hears the gun go off, he comes over, and he's like, oh, man. Of course, he's shouting like the... The woman that's barren. Oh, my son. Yeah. My barren deer hunting son finally got a deer. And I'm, I'm actually, my head's hanging. He's like, what's wrong? I said, well, God told me to give it away. He's like, what? I said, God told me to give this away. He's like, oh, good. Then that's what we'll do. He's like, let's go do it. And so I was like, you really? He's like, yeah, come on. So we did. So we took it to the butcher shop, had it butchered, cut, wrapped, cut, wrapped frozen, and I took it to my pastor at the time and said, God wants me to give this to you. What I didn't know, he didn't even like deer meat. <laughs> he hated deer meat. So he takes it graciously. And then I go home, I'm like, okay, what's the point? He doesn't like deer meat. I, don't have, I like deer meat. I don't have any deer meat. I need deer meat. About three weeks go by. 
and I'm working in our body shop at the time, and in comes one of our body technicians, one of our painters, and he brings in and sets a box on my desk. I said, what's that? He goes, it's a family pack. And he lived on a farm, so he could shoot all the deer he wanted. He brought me an entire box full of nothing but deer steak and deer tenderloin to the brim. And so it wasn't until about 15 years after that that the Lord spoke to me about that situation once I started understanding about honoring God with the first. And he said, do you remember when? And I said, oh yeah. He said, I was teaching you that when you honor me with what I direct you to do, that your barns will be filled with plenty and your wine presses will burst forth with new said, you didn't know it, but I was teaching you. It was an insignificant thing. It was a deer. In the scheme of the world, it's just a small thing. But God was teaching me with a small cake. And then when the next voice of the Lord came, and it was bigger, and it was bigger, and it was bigger, and I was able to become faithful over the years because I listened and honored God with the small stuff. God will do the same for you. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. He never changes. He's got good plans for you. He wants to increase you. He wants you to walk. The thief comes. What did you say, John 10.10? The thief comes for not but to. The only reason he comes, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I really believe that sometimes he comes, he doesn't come with like a 30-30. He comes in the form of dishonor. Sometimes. See, he, if he can cheat you out of what God has for you, he'll do it one way or another. But Jesus says, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundant. 